Welcome to the Willing to Listen South Bruce Proud podcast. Willing to Listen is a grassroots volunteer group based in South Bruce, Ontario, that is dedicated to thoroughly investigating multiple aspects of Canada's proposed deep geological repository for spent nuclear fuel. I'm Sheila Wittick, and I'm so excited to have you join me as we delve into this controversial project. Welcome back to Willing to Listen South Bruce Proud. On today's episode, I am joined by Brad Greaves. He is the chair of the Ignace Community Nuclear Liaison Committee. Thanks so much for joining me today, Brad. You're very welcome. I'm, uh, I'm super excited it's, it's, that I really... randomly came across your speech at the symposium there. It turned into a, a pretty good opportunity, I think. If you could just take a minute and introduce yourself for my listeners so they kind of know who you are and what you're all about. Sure. Without without going into too much of a resume, uh, I am a local uh, born in Northwestern Ontario, raised here. Um, I've been a commercial pilot for over 40 years. I moved to Ignace in 1985, so it's been uh, 35-ish years that I've lived in Ignace. Uh, my wife and I uh, ran and operated a, uh, owned and operated a resource-based flying outpost business uh, since 1985. So, you know, we've, we've, we're well entrenched in the community. Uh, we raised three kids here. Two of them are still in Northwestern Ontario, but not in Ignace, of course, because of jobs. I have seven grandchildren and five of them still live in Northwestern Ontario. So I am as concerned about their safety as anyone could be, but I'm also concerned about their employment opportunities and to be able to remain in an area that they're familiar and that they want to live in. A little more just about me, I, I'm a graduate of both Confederation College and Lakehead University. As I said, I'm recently re- retired. And I hope to remain in this area and in Ignace as long as I can. And, you know, so I do chair the uh, local um, CLC, as you call it. We call it the Ignace Community Nuclear Liaison Committee. Uh, but I've been involved in, in boards and committees from local level right up to national uh, issues with safety and aviation, uh, seaplane safety, uh, forest, mar- uh, forest policy, things like big game management for the provincial government, provincial tourism. So. Uh, I am, you know, well uh, volunteered, and this is just something now that with this new proposed DGR, I've decided to grab the bull of the horns and and be involved. And uh, as it turns out, I am now the chair of that that group. Interesting there too. We do compare nuclear to aviation a lot. Um, I know my training at work. A lot of the time, we compare and contrast the two because it's a similar thing. It's a great technology, and it's changed the world. And you know, in those rare yeah, instances and, and when it goes bad, it, you know, it's the does. same kind of thing, right? That's the thing, and it's a point that I made when I opened the symposium. Uh, that that video that you saw is that uh, safety management really is key um, in in aviation. And as a pilot, a commercial pilot, that's really all I was was a safety manager. So I'm, I would say, I'm intimately familiar with the development and the adapting and the managing of safe safety systems. And what I've learned from the NWMO uh, proposal is that this system, I can identify it, it is safe as far as I can see. Something can be very dangerous, but still be safe at the same time. And I think it's an important thing for people to realize when we have to make a a decision on this DGR. Yeah, and I liked that point in your video too, when you had said, just because something scares you, you know, or you have a fear of the danger, it doesn't mean that it's not safe. That's correct. And, and that's the thing. Like I am, I am afraid of heights. That's the truth. And uh, a lot of people, they laugh at that when they hear that and find out that I make a career in the air, but it is safe. And my fear of heights is subjective. It's just something that's there. And I can understand someone being fearful of nuclear by just not even understanding why, but it doesn't make it unsafe. 
And I think Canada has, has a very safe reputation in, in managing, uh, handling nuclear material and the storage of nuclear material. So uh, safety, um, I think, trumps the danger and safety yeah. can be modified and changed. Yeah. I find um, it interesting also after I shared your video, I had a local guy reach out to me who was also a pilot. And he had said too, that he's also scared of heights. And I got thinking like, that's so strange to me that like you can fly a plane and be terrified of heights. Do you think that's a control thing? Like when you're flying a plane, you're in control. So it's not as scary. No, no, I don't think so. Uh, it, to me, it, I think it's a perceptual thing because when you're on a roof of a building or something, there's always a, that, that perspective of height. When right. you're in the airplane, you don't get that. I have oh, to admit okay. the very first time I ever got in an airplane, I, I was vibrating. I was so scared because I didn't know what to expect because I, I'm afraid of heights. But right. as soon as we lifted off, all of a sudden it was, oh, this isn't so bad. And, and I started taking lessons and the rest is history. Yeah, I found it so funny when someone reached out to me with like that very similar experience. I was like, really, that's that's so interesting that you can fly a plane and be scared of heights. But I guess yeah. it's like anything, right? Before I started working at the nuclear plant, I was terrified of radiation. It was just this mysterious, scary thing, right? And then once we go and I got, my job there as an operator, you know, we're well-trained in radiation safety. We interact with it potentially every day. And it just becomes this thing that you learn. It's not as dangerous as you think. And there are ways to contain it and to keep yourself safe. And it's totally possible. You know, I was, I carried two babies, you know, I've, I've had two pregnancies and yes, I worked yes. full time in the station the whole time and they're fine. They're just I, like any I other kid, you know? Yeah, my, my youngest daughter is a flight attendant, and I'd, I'd venture to guess that uh, she's had more radiation exposure in her job than you have. Probably. It's, that's not far off from the yeah. truth. It's it's probably true, right? Yeah. So if you could just maybe chat with us a little bit. Um, I know a lot of my listeners are from the South Bruce area here, and we're not really familiar with Ignace's participation with the process with the NWMO. So if you could maybe just walk us through, I know it's been a long process for you guys also, but kind of, you know, how long you've been in the process just some basics about Ignace and their participation. Yeah, sure. Um, you know what? Um, Ignace, is, it's been over 10 years or around 10 years, I think, when uh, Ignace uh, was one of the first communities to step up to the Learn More project. Before that, I, I'll, I'll admit, I never gave nuclear a second thought. It was just uh, just another thing that produced power and, you know, uh, set off bombs as far as I knew back then. So, it worked out. I was the chair of our local business association at the time when Ignace volunteered to uh, be part of the project. And I was on one of the very first groups that went down to uh, to uh, Toronto to meet with the NWMO. And then we got a tour of the power plant and the nuclear waste uh, storage uh, facility you have there. It began from there. I, it really opened my eyes. Uh, I found out when I walked through the, uh, we we're going through the uh, nuclear waste area where the low level waste was, they were Geiger counting us or put some kind of deal on us to check us out before we went in and when we came out. And I found out that my watch had more radiation in it than, than we did after we had gone through that whole tour. And he explained to us, if it glows in the dark, it has radiation. And yeah. I, my watch was ticking away like crazy. And I wore that thing every single day. So uh, it opened my eyes to what nuclear really was and what radiation was. And so to, to just go forward a few more years, um, our uh, CNLC was established um, maybe about seven or eight years ago. I wasn't involved when it was first established. I had other commitments and, and uh, but it was established to facilitate our community or to the preparedness of our community to be able to learn more. And so it was kind of an intermediary, a group between the NWMO 
and um, the community, the surrounding communities, the First Nations and uh, you know, our neighboring community, Dryden. I understand you have a CLC as well, so I'm sure it's, it's very similar. Uh, we're, we're made up of volunteers, uh, no one's paid. We don't make any decisions. That's a, one of these uh, misconceptions that seems to be out there that, oh, the CLC is gonna be making the decision for us. No, we're not making the decision. We're trying to bring the information to our community so they can make the decision. Of course, we're part of the community, so we'll be part of that as well. It's, uh, it, it's really our mandate boils down to just, just kind of facilitating and being objective. And so as it sits right now, we've, uh, we've invited uh, NWMO to speak at our, at our meetings. We've had uh, non-NWMO scientists come in. Uh, we, uh, we've invited the anti-nuclear people. So far, no response uh, from them. So yeah, the, the community is well involved. Um, I think it's, it's been a, quite a few years, so I don't think anybody is unaware of the, of the project. There's a lot of people who are still undecided, which is fine. And there's people that are, are set for or against. That's just, you know, as we learn, we, we understand this stuff. Yeah, I, um, I also found that interesting when you were talking about, you mentioned positions versus interests when you're looking at a big decision mm -hmm. like this. And that really resonated with me specifically down here. We, we also have a local opposition group, which to me, my opinion is that they're set in a position. Yes. They, they're they very open about, we don't want this DGR to come here and they will do whatever they can to stop that. I kind of feel they overshadow some of the real concerns that people have, you know, like let's talk yeah. about increased traffic and let's talk about housing needs and let's talk about mm -hmm. all the extra things that come with it, but they're getting overshadowed because of this position that's trying to scare people to be on their side with their position. Exactly. And I, I think that that's so important. And that's something that's just a, a basic uh, way of solving issues. And that's establishing what your real interest is, as opposed to the position. And if, if you know, just if you and I disagreed about two things that like we had opposite positions, and we went into to try to solve our differences, we're just going to argue, because what we're going to be doing is we're entrenched in position, and we're not going to move from that position, and you're not going to move from your position. So nothing will happen. But every position has got an interest underlying it. If you can actually honestly determine what your interest is with, with just push the, the position aside and be honest with yourself as to what your interest is. And when it comes to nuclear uh, or the DGR, you know, there's some that are in their, their interest is the environment. Fair enough. Let's talk about the environment. Let's talk about the policies, the procedures, or maybe some of the safety issues that will deal with the environment. Uh, maybe your interest is is in the future. And we hear that here. People are saying, well, yeah, but it's not going to be safe for 10,000 years from now. What's going to happen to my great, 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 great grandkids? And okay, if that's if your interest is the future, let's look at how the containment works. Let's work, look at how the water tables work. Let's look at how, you know, we can address the actual issue. And, and that would be your interest. It, it, it just is so easy to separate if you're honest with yourself. But if you're in a position, you can just sit back and say, nope, not in my backyard. And that's not going to solve anybody's any, anybody's issue or problems. Yeah. And I find I find we do have that here. We have the not worth the risk people, you know, who mm -hmm. this is not worth the risk. And from what I've read, I'm, oh, I'm spending my time right now going through the post-closure safety assessment. And let me tell you that 750 page document is <laughs> a lot. Um, I, I respect you for doing that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, you know, going through that and, you know, the yeah. numbers, the like the number of years they're looking at before anything ever happens. 
the one I read yesterday, the section was something like 10 million years. They'd see a spike in iodine-129, and it would still be 150,000 times lower than the allowable limit. Like, why are we worried about 10 million years from now, and nothing's even going to exceed a safe limit? It like it, there is no risk there in my mind, you know. And the science is saying that it's safe. We have to put things in perspective, and that that's where I think some of the the anti. the negative thinking towards a DGR, they don't put the things into perspective. We haven't even had mankind on earth that long. And you think, just just think, you are a lot younger than I am, but I grew up with slide rules in, you know, in, in my high school. We weren't even allowed to use a calculator when I was in college uh, because not everyone had access to one. So in that in those few years, and it is relatively few years, we've uh, we now carry more technology in our pocket than, than NASA had when they landed man on the moon in 1969. Like it's the, the technology has changed so much. It's exponential. And all we hear on the other side is uh, the, I, I just lost track counting the number of times I hear may, might, could, we don't know. Well, okay, we don't know. But the, the, the science has been proven. The technology has been proven. The engineering has been proven. The policies and procedures are adaptable. Why can't you accept that we put these things together? It's going to be safe. Right. And safe will will trump the danger. The danger will be there, but the safety will make sure that we don't worry about that. And like you say, there's there's so many things that we do that are safe, but they're very dangerous. Um, So we find here in South Burst, we have what people like to call community division happening Mm -hmm. around the project. Do you find that there's that going on in Ignace also? like a divide in the community? Not not, not so, so much at this point. I can see it coming. Uh, we do have people that are entrenched in a, in a not-in-my-backyard uh, position. However, uh, most of the influencing right now for that position is coming from outside of Ignace. And uh, really, I think we, we've been fortunate. We, you know, we've, every once in a while, somebody will read their head. We've had a few open houses in town that were put on by some environmental group, but it hasn't. I think people are open-minded still in our community. The First Nations uh, communities surrounding us are, are very open-minded. There's a lot of good dialogue. I don't see the us against them yet. There's a small group of, of the no's, and they just aren't very loud yet. With these groups coming in from outside the area, from, from Southern Ontario, from Western Canada, uh, I, I can see that they're going to start uh, recruiting and organizing. I know here there's a very strong division in the community, which is sad, interesting to me, because the people opposed to the project blame the NWMO. And they say it's the NWMO's Mm -hmm. fault that the community is divided. You know, the people opposed to this project have also gone and tried to get people fired from their jobs. They've gone to businesses and told business owners, we won't do business with you if you don't put a yellow sign up. But then they blame the NWMO. Like, it just seems so disconnected to me. We haven't seen that here yet, mainly, I think, because our community is quite small. And, you know, we, we all know each other. And I think that, uh, you know, I have, I have nothing against anybody who has uh, done their research and has made a decision. But if you haven't done your research, then I, I'll, I'll uh, confront them and say, like, hey, how, how can you make that decision when you don't, haven't even researched it? Because 
somebody posted a we sent you a postcard in the mailbox but that's about all we've seen so far we haven't got things around the community we don't have a lot of uh businesses in town and i that's one of the reasons i think ignace is really interested in this is that you know the the, the dgr is going to be safe so let's take advantage of the the opportunity walk through the door and and maybe we'll get some more businesses maybe we'll get some tradesmen uh, you know, so we don't have that situation. I've heard a few people say, oh, yeah, well, I, I know people that won't move here because of uh, the whole DGR. Okay, it's easy to say that, but who won't move here? I know people that yeah. are moving here because NWMO is in town. So, Well, and it's funny. Um, we have kind of the same conversations happening here. And I find it kind of funny twofold. We get the people won't want to move here and we get the people won't want to buy our agricultural products. You know, people won't want to mm-hmm. buy our beef and our and our on our crops and our milk and all that kind of thing. But I find it interesting that, you know, Bruce Power is half an hour from Teeswater. It's the largest operating nuclear plant in the world. And Bruce County Ag has never taken a a hit from Bruce Power being here. You know, nobody's ever thought twice about it. We have people moving to town here. House prices are astronomical because of like Bruce Power refurbs. People are moving here for, for the nuclear sector. And it blows my mind that we're arguing now that nuclear is going to hurt us when Bruce Power has done all these things to help our county. Like it just, to me, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, in our, in our little town here, 10 years ago, you could buy a three bedroom bungalow for probably 40 to $50,000. Wow. Now they're, they're up in the round of the 200,000 mark. Any property on the lake is, is, is way more than that. And, and it's, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there is some potential. People do want to be here. And, and uh, there is some, uh, I, I'm hoping, some good long-term benefits for our community economically and, and socially that uh, our community has been uh, boomer bust with the mines coming and going and forestry is all market driven. So it's up, it's down, the mill is open, the mill is closed. People are working, people aren't working. Where, you know, we look at this project that hopefully if it comes, we will have uh, some good, stable, long-term employment and our yeah. community will be able to. Maybe we maybe we don't have to drive 60 miles to get a, let's see a barber, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's, yeah. a, I, 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 it's a very different thing. And and one thing I have to mention, and I, we've heard this argument too from the anti-nuclear, say, well, yeah, well, your tourism is going to be hurt. I, I was a, a resource-based tourist outfitter for 35 years. I know that market. And it's going to remain like it, there's good people are still going to come because we've got the best hunting and fishing and that's not going to change because you put some uh, nuclear material uh, yeah. half a kilometer underground well and i actually you know? would argue your tourist industry will probably get better you know like it's going to be a worldwide facility that people from all over are going to want to come and see and you know with that they're going to come and they're going to eat they're going to buy things people i, I think i I, yep, I agree with you 100 percent on that and i you know, I see that there's a huge tourism opportunity and whether you call it nuclear tourism, whatever, if this is the is one of the best places in the world with the science and the technology and the and the and the, the forward thinking, you're gonna have tourists. It'll be a different kind of tourists coming. You're still gonna get your hunter and fishing, but why not get some of those guys too that they fly from all over the world to come yeah. and see the uh, a state-of-the-art nuclear facility and maybe they can do a little hunting and fishing while they're here. It's something yeah. they probably can't do where they live. And so I see it, it's, uh, people don't understand tourism is not a zero sum game because you get more people doesn't mean that another part of the industry is going to, is going to crash. It'd be great yeah. to have a couple more hotels and resorts and, 
and um, maybe other things like like wildlife viewing and, and sightseeing and quadding and and the the, the it, it people we're on the Trans Canada Highway for Pete's sake. Everybody who drives through is a tourist. Yeah, <laughs> but for sure. Some, you know, people think that all we have is hook and bullet, and that's not the case. The hook and bullet will be here, and it'll probably be stronger by yeah. having uh, this uh, this facility. I know lately here too, we've been hearing just when we're talking about more people coming to the area, we've been hearing this opinion, I guess, that having the extra jobs and the more people coming is going to change the culture of the town. And it's almost this, we don't want the town to change kind of mentality. Have you guys heard that out there also? Yeah. Yeah. We've had that. Uh, there are, there are people that would wish the town was back to 400 people. That'll never happen. I hope, but uh, we're hovering around a thousand, 1200, but our infrastructure is here for about 3000. Um, when I moved here in 85, I think there was like 26 or 2,700 people in town, oh, but wow. the mines, there's two mines were going. And uh, when they closed down, of course, when you take the first shovel of dirt out of a mine, you actually start shutting it down and, and mines are up and then mines are down. So um, the community's got the infrastructure. I think with some of the community social scoping exercises that have the township and the, the consultants have done, I think, uh, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 is, is what the community would say would be a good size. That would mm. that would get you a lot of the services. But we have Dryden uh, one hour away and they're they're eight or nine thousand people so they can afford a little bit uh, of an increase you have the community to Wabagoon the community of Norwick that are actually closer to the uh, proposed site so maybe there'll be a little development there's Sulacout you know so it's really going to be a regional boost as opposed to just Ignace and I think that this project by the size of it, it, it Ignace could not handle it there's there's no way so right. with these other communities involved and it being a, an actual regional project it the whole the whole economy in this region will be boosted and uh, so it, it you know we have to separate it we're not like where you are where i don't know how big south bruce is but i know you got a lot of communities really close i've so been in your the, area but the I've, sighting area here in south bruce is just outside of teeswater um where i live <laughs> teeswater is about the same it's about 1200 people south bruce as a whole is about 5000 give or take but yeah we have quite a few towns too that are very close yeah. by so yeah, it definitely we, would be we, a regional to, thing. Yeah, if we if we drive east, uh, we got to go two and a half hours before we hit Thunder Bay, and that's that's the next. All you have is a couple of gas stations on the way. Wow. If you go west, it, Dryden is an hour away, um, and that's really you know that's where the Walmart is, that's where the dentists are, that's where you know that's where we that's where the hospital is. Um, so you know what we're kind of hoping as a community here, we can get to that that size that isn't too big, maintain that small community feel, but be able to have a hospital perhaps, or even a, a senior's home, or a couple of dentists in town, or resident doctors, because we don't have that. And so those types of things, the, the infrastructure is here, we just don't have it because of the, the you know, 1200 people can't support that. Yeah, so something else that's come up, just when you mentioned about um, Ignace historically being a mining town, some of our, our anti-nuclear group, yeah they've had this narrative of we don't want to be a mining town either you know the TGR <laughs> turning us and like almost as if that's a, a negative thing did do you find that being a mining town is a negative connotation no not here because i don't i haven't heard that but then we we were a mining town mining is is big in northwest ontario red lake uh, addy coken's got some mines being being developed right now emo near there fort francis so Mining is still quite influential in this area. 
but we are a blue, to- a blue collar town. The, the benefit for us with something like this is we would start to see a bit of a shift into a lot of uh, white collar jobs too, where you get the scientists and the, and the, um, the white collar workers where uh, right now, the only white collar workers we really have are the school teachers and a few government employees. So uh, it's a blue collar town, forest workers. We have, uh, we have a lot of miners who live in town that, that work out of town. They, they do the two weeks in, two weeks out. So it's not a negative connotation in that regard. What we hear with the regards to mining is, is people think that the DGR is just a mine. And, and we've heard that, well, what are they going to do? Just go down, drive down into the hole at uh, Sturgeon Lake and, and drop the stuff down the hole. No, that's not what it's going to be. It's just that that is a matter of not educating yourself into what the project's actually all about. Yeah, we I've heard all kinds of crazy rumors about this project. I could do six episodes on just those rumors. <laughs> Something interesting that I heard the other day. I'm really glad we've made this connection because I've, I read the other day in my internet sleuthing on all the anti-nuclear anti-dgr sites someone had made the suggestion that the anti-groups should be pitting the people who are in favor of the process in ignace and in south bruce we should pit them against each other so that ignace and south bruce is fighting (laughs) over the dgr (laughs) I, i hope that doesn't happen i really don't on that note too a lot of people say that because i started the willing to listen group Um, me and a couple other guys in town that have started this you know we're in favor of a dgr and that's not our position our position is we're in favor of a process yeah i would say i'm in favor of a dgr i think it's a great idea but i don't know that it should go here i want it to go in this spot where it's determined to be safest and if that is ignace power to you guys like if that's if that's what's determined to be the best spot that's where i want it to be i want it to go where it's safe if it's determined that ignace is a safer site i would rather see it there you know, I, I agree with you, and I think that I've I've heard that too, where where they feel if they can if they can get us going against each other, it's going to destroy the process, and and I I don't think that's actually going to work because we are we are very different uh, communities, but I think that in the process of learning about this, I agree with you. I think it should go where it's going to be safest, and the safety is going to be the the key issue here because we are dealing with something that is going to have long-term impacts for whatever community it goes to. And there, there are, there are negative impacts. I'll admit that uh, not just the fact that it's nuclear, but there's negative impacts when you start seeing rapid growth and, and then you get different kinds of people moving to town that maybe you don't want, you get all the kinds of things there. But I think that uh, wherever it's going to be safest, the communities will adapt because that's what communities do. There, there's no reason to say that because we're, we're, we're both the last two communities in this process that we we have to be against each other i i i'll admit i i read your uh your stuff too and i find it very i wish we had people in town that could do what you're doing we just there just isn't people here who are willing to to do that because it's a lot of work i can see the oh, effort you it, put into it. it is a lot of work let me tell oh, you <laughs> but but i i really appreciate what you're doing there because you're exploring and like you say it's the process and and you're bringing this stuff out and it's not you haven't made a, a position you're just you're just looking at the interests and i feel the same way i our our committee is is almost like you know i know you have a committee too but we we haven't we haven't stated that this is what we want. We say, let's learn about it. And if you're in a position, I want to know what your interest is so we can, we can mm-hmm. delve into that because other people may have the same interest. Yep. And uh, I, I just think that uh, that's the, the honest way to deal with this, to, to come up with a decision and, and whatever the communities decide, what happens if both of our communities say, yep, 
we're willing, then it will come down yeah. to the NWO and they're going to have to make a decision. So the job that I've given myself here is not for the faint of heart. I can tell you that. Oh, it is, I, I, I respect you so much in that because it, anything on Facebook will degrade so quickly. And yeah. I just wish that there was a button on Facebook. As soon as you went to, as soon as anybody made a post, it would start off with, in my humble opinion, rather than trying to state something as a fact. I find I get a lot of kickback to being a nuclear worker, Um, you know, working at Bruce Power. I get told all the time that I'm biased and I'm going to support the project no matter what, because Bruce Power is giving me my income. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning with your kids and your grandkids living in Northwestern Ontario. You know, I'm a mom. I have a a six-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl. And there is no way I would ever support any project coming here that I thought was going to damage them. You know, and the, well, the and fact that, that people exactly. say that to me, that, you know, I don't care about safety. I'm like, my nieces and nephews all live here. My friend's kids live here. There's yeah. no way that I would ever do anything that I thought was going to hurt those kids or anybody's kid. It's crazy to me that people think that low of me specifically because I'm a nuclear worker, you know, like I'm doing this yeah. for some demonic reason. It's just, yeah, it's just no, crazy, the conspiracy theory, that, right? It's that fear-mongering and scaring, and that that's that seems to be the, the fallback argument is just throw it out there. Like I say, there's no perspective. They, nobody puts those arguments into perspective. Um, NWMO is, is, has to be transparent, and you know we as a committee try to be transparent with what we are bringing out, but the opposition is strictly subjective it's fear-mongering and there's there's no perspective in there you don't there's no context really is what i, the, I guess the better word yeah and I no accountability that, the accountability is to their group but you know we look at uh even things like the transportation that's been an issue up here of course you don't have to look at that so much as us uh, but it is a long way it's 1400 kilometers apparently from, mm-hmm. from Cardin up to Ignace. so you know they they throw out these couple of pictures of these these tractor trailer accidents and saying oh this is what's going to happen but there's no context the thing with transportation that really gets me is, you know, we can't eliminate accidents, but we're not trying to eliminate accidents. Accidents are going to happen. The fact is those transportation tasks are made to withstand that accident, that no matter what condition happens in that accident, the stuff will be fine because it's designed to withstand accident. I'll, I'll, bring you backwards. I'll bring you backwards even a little bit more on that. They don't put it the context there. They show a picture and they give these numbers uh, I don't have them handy here, but I think it's like 370 accidents over a five-year period on the section of the highway between um, Thunder Bay and Ignis. And they say, okay, over this five years, there's 370 accidents. Half of them involve tractor trailers. Okay, all of a sudden you're down to about a, 170 accidents that are tractor trailer accidents. What they don't tell you is that, and I checked this out, that section of highway averages 2,700 vehicles a day. Wow. So 365 days a year, it brings you almost a million vehicles in a year. And, uh, and now they picked a five-year period. If I pick a five-year, add five years, now you're up, I think it's like four and a half million vehicles will drive that section of road in five years. And there's 150 accidents involved a tractor trailer. The thing is, an accident is most of them, because we live here. And that, sure enough, every once in a while, you get a great big one, and that makes the news. But most of them are guys running off the road because they fall asleep, so they run off the road. And yep. it's a single vehicle. They don't even burst their tires. They better scratch the paint. They got to get a tow truck. That's an accident. So even if we give them half of those, you, if you want to look at probability, that's the way you look forward. You don't look backwards 
statistics, I, you know, I, I, and this is a classic with statistics, I can roll a dice six times. And if it one rolled up six, three times out of six with a single die, I can say 50% of the time one comes up. But the probability of rolling a one next time is still one out of six. So you yeah. have to look forward with probability. And they don't put it in context. So they show a picture of a nasty accident and say there's 350 accidents, half of them are tractor showers over five years. Okay. You start adding a lot of zeros to these. And then if you want to pick a specific truck out of that whole pile, which is what you're doing with nuclear, you know, you have four and a half million trucks over five years. Okay. So if you, have, if you take a specific truck and then they are saying two to three trucks a day, okay, 2,700 trucks a day make that run. You know, it's, it's hard to put all this math when you're talking, but that means one out of a thousand trucks. So you've got three more zeros in that probability that that one truck is going to be in that one accident. It's got nine zeros in front of it already because of probability. Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden it's a very, and that doesn't take into account what you said, which is yeah. that containment. What's the chance of that containment actually failing? So, yeah. you know, it becomes such an insignificant number and it, it takes away the scariness, but all they do is throw a picture of a bad accident and they'll put a, 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 a number up that says 50% of the accidents are tractor trailers. Okay, well, that's, that's fine. I'll buy that. But that doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't tell yeah. you how many vehicles travel on that road. Yeah, so, like I say, context is everything. Yeah, it's not scary enough, it, though, it, right? It, if they put it in context, it's not scary. That's, that's it's the not scary. That's, if there's anything I've learned... If there's anything I've learned, it's all about scaring people. And if you can get people yeah. scared enough, they won't want it here. It doesn't matter if it's that's true, right. you know. Well, that's right. This, this, they, they need to be scary. And that's there's no context when they tell you things are going to be leaking in a million years. There's no context. It's how, how long a million years is. Yeah, I find that too when a lot of our anti-DGR folk down here are proponents of rolling stewardship. To me, I don't think that's a solution. You know, like you're really depending on people and institutions to control that. And when we consider sure. how that's short right. of a time frame that people have actually been organized in societies with governments and, you know, regulations, it hasn't been that long of a time frame that we've even been in that situation. And we're going to count on that surviving forever over rock that's been stable for billions of years. Yeah, no, that's the thing. And, and you know, all you have to do is, is, is look at history. Very few societies even last 300 years, you know, yeah. so this rolling stewardship stuff, all they're going to be doing is changing containers every, every hundred years. What, what sense is that forever? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think, you know, the DGR in, in, it seems to be, in my opinion, the safest alternative right now. If there, if there was another use for the fuel, I'd be all for that too. But right now there isn't. So let's look at this project and, and if it's safe, I'm. I have uh, no problem with it. Once once we know it's safe, we, we'll put our kids on airplanes. We'll get our, on airplanes ourselves. It's extremely dangerous, but we do it every single day because it's safe. Eh? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so, just in closing up here, I like to ask my guests: What advice would you give to someone who is unsure or undecided about the project? That, that's a big one. So, so I, I guess the first thing I would say is don't approach this with a closed mind. That, that has to be the very first thing, like like have an open mind. And in doing that, figure out where, where your uh, facts are coming from. If it's coming from Simpsons TV show, uh, you're, you're, you're looking at it wrong, okay? And, and unfortunately, there's a whole generation that grew up with that. Um, <laughs> I, I know my kids are in that generation, so probably you are too. I had the yep. Flintstones, I had Simpsons. But 
nuclear waste is not green goo, and they're not going to store it in barrels. So, so look at the, the the real objective facts. Danger can be overcome by safety. Other other uh, advice I'd say is establish what your interest is, not your position. Look at your interest, and if it's water, if it's transportation, if it's jobs, then look at the information that that you might be questioning there. And I, uh, you know, I don't know. A long time ago, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in my life was question, ask questions. And so none of us are born with this knowledge. And we can't rely just because somebody else says, oh, I researched it, here's the answer. No, find out for yourself. You don't have to become a PhD, but just look at a couple alternate sources and say, okay, you know what? If, if the science is safe and the technology is safe and the engineering is safe, why can't this project be safe? And the other thing I would, I would say is NWMO is not here to lie to us. I hear that so often is that, well, it's just they're, they're self-serving because they're the ones who want to put the stuff. No, that's they're, they're trying to give us the facts because they want to be able to bring the, the, the project here. Sure. But it's like saying Air Canada lies to you because they say you can get you from Toronto to London safely in seven hours. That's not lying and it's not self-serving to them. They're just telling you that's the facts and that's what the NWMO's job is. They're not trying to lie to you. So ask the questions, ask, ask tough questions if you have to, but look at what the science really says, look at the engineering, look at the policies, the procedures, the regulations. And I, I think that uh, those things alone should be able to, well, that's what the whole thing is. You, that, that should be able to convince anybody who's got an open mind. Don't accept someone just because they said they've researched it. it. It just, it comes down to managing a risk. That's what safety is all about. And I, uh, I think that if we, uh, need any kind of advice, it's approaches with an open mind and ask the questions and be prepared to uh, ask more questions if you have to. Yeah, no, I agree. That, that, that's why that's, uh, I, I, you know, if I could say one last word, it's just that a DGR is not inherently unsafe. I agree for sure. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm hoping we can do it again, well, maybe I, sometime. I yeah, thank you for asking me. It was really a pleasure. And that's it for this episode of Willing to Listen South Bruce Proud. I look forward to further investigating Canada's plan for spent nuclear fuel along with all of you. Thanks so much for joining me. And remember, we don't have to agree on anything to be kind to one another. Mm -hmm.